I'm Rupa Subramania. This is Tom Korski. This is Ken Drysdale. This is Dr. Eric Payne. This is Dr. William Mackis. Hi, this is Shadow Davis from the Shadow at Night live stream, and you are listening to the Sean Newman Podcast. Welcome to the podcast, folks. Happy Wednesday, hump day. Hope everybody's week is cruising along. I tell you what, we're uh, we're into week uh, three of the new year, and uh, we have been pumping out some content. If you missed uh, earlier this week uh, on Monday, we had um, Kristen Nagel first and foremost, and then I interviewed and live streamed uh, Premier Daniel Smith. So if you you missed that one, go back. That was uh, that was earlier this week. It's been uh, you know we've been rattling out the podcast. The goal for the year two oh eight. Uh, 208 episodes that is and um, well let's just say we're on pace to outpace that and I'm not I, I don't know if I was trying to do that I was just you know you come out of the ga- gates just a flying you're you're like taking 10 days off you're like whoo let's get going anyways so we've been we've been cruising I hope you've been enjoying and uh, today we got an interesting one before we get there though of course our episode sponsors Blaine and Joey Stefan um, they are part of the the Monday men's group that uh, we uh, we started back in in December so it's been being housed at the the Guardian um, shop and we've been uh, we've been having a lot of fun there it's been interesting interesting and I think uh, when you're looking for you know they're looking for guys and I think when you're you're uh, you know wondering about prospective employers especially if you're not sitting in Lloydminster you know you, you can't just drive over you're you're on the other side of the country you're like you know I don't know I do, or maybe you're on the other side of the province, you know, like, man, do I move to a city? You know, that's, that's a scary thought. Um, that's something that I wouldn't take lightly. I highly doubt half of, uh, probably majority of people don't take lightly. Anyways, one of the things that I think separates, uh, Guardian Plumbing and Heating is how they handled the last couple of years, you know, and, uh, of course they, um, they're, they're two men who um, I obviously think awfully highly of being in a group and, and challenging their opinions and having them challenge mine and everything else. It's been an interesting little go. And I think of bosses, you know, that's, uh, that'd be interesting to see how it translates because I think uh, they have a lot of respect for the people who work underneath them. And I think if you're sitting on the other side of the country uh, or province or whatever, or maybe you just, you know, the, the fear of, of uh, taking a step away from your current occupation to go try something new. You always wonder if the green, grass is greener on the other side. Well, if you're, uh, if you're one of the many who uh, the last couple of years has really, uh, you know, challenged you uh, on a lot of different fronts, especially work, I think these guys would be a nice fit uh, when it comes to uh, what they do. Uh, or how they separate themselves from um, um, other employment opportunities, I can certainly read off what they sent me. You know, they work seven days on, seven days off, uh, 12-hour work shifts, no no night shift, no on-call. Basically, you know, you're you're working half the time, paid for the whole thing, traditional five and two if that helps out. They got great benefits, awesome wages, great team, and they're looking for plumbers, HVAC techs, installers, and apprentices. I think it's all the intangibles that, you know, that come with it, you know. Uh, I think we all understand what I'm talking about. Either way, go to guardianplumbing.ca where you can schedule your next appointment at any time. Three trees, tap, and kitchen. Uh, when it comes to uh, being in town and looking for a little uh, entertainment, um, they bring in live music usually once a month. Go to social media. You can find out everything there when they're coming. Next time they're going to be uh, bringing somebody in to, to you know play a, little, uh, play a little tune. I was going to say diddle, and I'm like, does that make sense? Still don't know if that makes sense. <laughs> Anyways, play a little tune. Um, you're looking for a little live music because I, I tell you what, there's something about live music that is just fantastic. Uh, I, I'm 
paying close attention because uh, I'd love, you know, with the, with the kids and everything, it doesn't seem like we get out for a date night all that often. But uh, as twos would say, the food there is awesome, and I never talk about it enough, so I'm trying better. And it, certainly if you're going to take the, the significant other, in my case, the miss is out, uh, I say call and book a reservation, especially if you're going to go listen to some live music, 780-874-7625. The Deer and Steer Butchery, uh, the old Norman and Kathy James family-built butcher shop on the north side of Highway 16 and Range Road 25. You know, I was, I was literally talking to one of my brothers today, and we were talking about organ meat. And, you know, I think uh, more and more people are starting to understand the importance of it. Maybe uh, there's some older uh, people from generations past that are like, yeah, you morons, you need this and, and some of the health quali- uh, health benefits that come with it and all that good stuff. You know, if you're looking for organ meat, um, give a deer and steer a call, 780-870-8700. That's, that's one thing. If you're anywhere else, you know, uh, I'll reiterate what I just said about Guardian. You know, uh, when you're looking for employment opportunities and you're looking about like, I don't know, should I move across the province? Should I get out of the job? Et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. There's a huge opportunity. They're looking for butchers. Uh, obviously, um, uh, they're looking for somebody who's motivated and uh, and wants to uh, tackle a problem, have a little bit of crea- creative influence on it, and uh, looking for a go-getter. So if that sounds like you, uh, or maybe you got background in the butcher uh, butchery industry, Give them a call, 780-870-8700. Finally, Gartner Management is a Lloyd Minster-based company specializing in all types of rental properties. I keep saying, you know, if you're, I don't know, maybe you're like me, maybe you're not. I remember being in, uh, you know, trying to do all the podcast out of the house and with kids. And we're just trying to, you know, when finally it gets quiet, you don't want to be my voice. You don't want to be yelling into the mic and waking kids up or, you know, distracting people or whatever else. So getting my own uh, my own space where I could sit and chat and not have to worry, and I'm sure some of the neighbors in the building don't feel that way. I apologize. But uh, overall, having my own space, I feel like um, has really benefited me. And and uh, if you're, you know, in that category, you're sitting at home, you got your, your, your makeshift, makeshift office there, um, you know, it, it might, uh, benefit you to give way to call 780-808-5025. He can get you hooked up. He can give you some options. You get the point. Now let's get on that tail, the point, uh, tail, Hey, here we go. A little screw up in the, the starting. You were all waiting for it. Finally happened. <laughs> let's get on that tail, the tape brought to you by Hancock Petroleum. For the past 80 years, they've been an industry leader in bulk fuels, lubricants, methanol, and chemicals delivering to your farm, commercial or oil field location. For more information, visit them at Hancock Petroleum.ca. He's a best-selling author, former professional heavyweight boxer, and a competitive chess player. I'm talking about Ed Latimer. So buckle up. Here we go. This is Ed Latimer, and you are listening to the Sean Newman Podcast. Welcome to the Sean Newman Podcast. Today, I'm joined by Ed Latimer. So first off, sir, thanks for uh, hopping on. Hey, thanks for having me, man. I really, I'm always grateful when somebody wants to listen to me talk. <laughs> well, actually, you know, it's funny. I, uh, the first time I ever heard you, this is a long time ago now. I don't, I don't know how you probably remember this better than I do. It was on Farnham street. Uh, I follow his blog. Yeah, that was, that was a while ago. And, and I, I've only listened, uh, truthfully, Ed, uh, he's probably had, I don't even know what he's at for podcasts now, but I've listened to like three and you were the first one. And I was like, this is, 
this is interesting, right? Like you got an interesting story. So to finally, you know, and I feel like that was probably three years ago um, to finally. Um, oh man, you know, what's crazy. If, because I remember where, when everything, what was happening in my life, that was, I know what I gave him as a gift. That was 2017. So that was oh. six years ago. How time flies. Yeah, because in my mind it doesn't seem that long ago, but then when I think about it, yeah, it was it was definitely it was April, two thousand seventeen. He uh, he flew down for the day and then flew back. <laughs> Isn't that crazy? Did you ever think you'd have people fly to come see you and sit down and have an interview? Uh, you know, so this is no. I mean, the short answer, no, man. I just you know we we live in a really interesting age and world. And having having done that, it it just opened up doors. I mean, doors just continually open. Now, I mean, part of it is is me and my story and me putting stuff out there. But the other part, you know, is is like you go and you do a great job and you have a great conversation, and someone takes a chance on you. They think you're an interesting person to talk to. And boom, <laughs> they're talking to you. And and before you know it, I mean, you know, since then, I, I still think I actually just put this together for my book proposal. He is he's not the biggest podcast I've been on now, but he's in the top three. I think I think I've been on two that have have much higher that not not much higher, uh, but higher a reach and and downloads but that all starts with everything is just the building block to the next thing yeah it's um you know uh it goes back to like it's you know you you think it's a race until you realize nah it's just man it's just the journey you know you just you just keep uh seeing what (laughs) every day brings you yeah man it's fun i i have a good time with this kind of thing it it's uh I'm lucky. That's I, I never forget that that I'm lucky because I could be doing any number of things and and I got to do this and this because of the error, the era that we live in. Uh, this is easy to do, and well, this is easy. Becoming the person who who gets to the point where people want to talk to you, that's not so easy. Um, that's that's a lot of. It's a lot of stuff, man. A lot of things that I'm. We'll probably get into them. Soon. Yeah, well, l- let's get into it. You know, Ed, I, I, uh, it's funny. I, I, I went, I went through uh, three cycles with you. Two cycles, I guess. The first time I heard you, I was like, I gotta find this guy. I gotta follow him on Twitter. And I, and now that you're bringing it up, that it's 2017. I didn't start the podcast till 2019. And then I started following you on, I, I want to say Twitter, and. Uh, I got overran by not only yourself, but a whole swath of men I was following. I, it just overloaded man. So I just unfollowed everybody. And I'm That's just like, I just, I, yeah. <laughs> you I, gotta I, do it. And so then, and then what's happened since I started the podcast um, is now I get, you know, I get bounced around through different circles and slowly people come back into your, 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 your little sphere or your, your, you know, your experience, whatever it is. And, 
it's funny. I was saying this to the wife. Uh, she was asking who I was interviewing today. Of course, I was mentioning you and the story. And I said, you know, I, I haven't followed him in, I don't know. It, it's It's been a, a probably a year, year and a half, something like that. And out of nowhere, you popped up on my timeline. And I read it. And I, I honestly, I should have wrote down what I read. But it resonated with so much that I just clicked. I just clicked. I was like, boom, I'm, I'm following this guy again because that 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 is good. And from there, uh, you know, um, I, I reached out thinking nothing would ever happen with it. And of course, you reach back out and, and everything happens. And now here we sit. And I'm like, ah, this is this is just, you know, it's just the evolution of the journey, if you will. But for a lot of people, they probably have no idea who Ed is. So maybe we could start. I, I don't know where you want to start. Do you want to start in Pittsburgh? Do you want to like you tell me? Uh, how far back you want to go? Because I, I think you have a really interesting story. I think, uh, you know, I come from a hockey background. Obviously, uh, your background in boxing, like the sports aspect of it is really interesting. But I'll let you fly and see where it goes. Uh, sure. Like, so so I, I, everyone, their introduction to me uh, is usually through the boxing aspect. Well, well, nowadays a little, it's actually heavily balanced, um, through, through the writing, if not all writing. And so I, I have the website and do all the writing and stuff, but I've always, but, but I started fighting. I started boxing at a late age, uh, 22. And I, I did it because I needed to do something with my life. I was I was acting like a bit of a of a d bag, uh, going around saying that the college was this worthless thing and you should try to. I had just got into the whole uh, mindset success porn genre where it's like you know rich dad poor dad Napoleon Hill stuff, Wayne Dyer all that. Uh, and so I'm like, oh, college is stupid. You know, you can become successful on your own. And and I would say this to like everybody who brought it up, and we'd have these heated arguments and stuff like that. And one day, out uh, of the woman I was dating, her mother was a college professor. This person I argued with. Imagine that, twenty-two year old me. And she said, "All right, you know, let's pretend you're right, and college is is worthless. You know, what have you done with your life in the past four years other than show up and eat my food?" And then she threw me out. And it, and it made me think, you know, she was right. I had not done anything. I had no sweat equity in anything in my life. I was I was kind of living like I was waiting for the next big adventure to happen. In fact, believe it or not, one of the things I was doing, I was I had I had found these people online who sell these lottery tracking systems, and I was trying to win the lottery. So I would work my my seven twenty five on our job at Starbucks and take my check and buy tickets that I had you know tracked the numbers for. I was like the plan, and but the, but that was a wake up call. And I was like, you know, you're you're exactly right. But this time, if I died today, nobody would know anything about me. There'd be nothing to say interesting. I would just be gone. So I looked and figured out what I would do next and, and I ended up in the boxing ring and decided to go boxing because that's when YouTube was just getting big and you could you could like look at stuff online and, and some of that stuff was fights and I was like, oh, I can do that. Let me go try boxing. So that's how I ended up boxing and, and that set off a chain reaction. It's one of those things at the beginning, it's a small deviation away from the norm and you don't really notice it. 
And then 10 years later, you know, you look at all the things you've accomplished and the people you've met and the, the, the way your mind's changed. Uh, and and I, I credit boxing with, with everything from helping me get sober to helping me get a degree in physics. This, these are all related to how I learned to think and approach problems and, and hold myself accountable from fighting. How did, how did boxing get you sober? Well, the better you get at something, the more you enjoy it, there's that, but the more it demands of you because you, you start to see, I, I think it's very hard for a person to enjoy something casually for very long that that's that requires an investment of energy to improve at like i can casually watch the movies forever i'm not going to wake up and become a director i probably won't casually write short stories forever there, there's just energy there mm-hmm. and i'll be like all right what's the next step to this i already like doing it where do i go with it all right and then that requires a a new level of, of dedication and some other skills things of that nature well, boxing was was the same way. I started out as as a casual amateur fighter, and continue to get better, have some success. And I'm like, I can get better. I know I can do more. I can see this, and I just keep iterating, having more success, iterating, having more success. And finally, uh, my success because I'm more dedicated and working harder. That demands more time and and it also demands me to, to do kind of a, an audit to look at what is slowing me down uh, where is my problem where are my weakest points i'm a big believer in the idea that you can only go as far as your, your biggest weakness so, so let me start working on my weaknesses and one of the and then the biggest one was my relationship with alcohol and but like when i when i got sober i remember thinking i had four things that that helped me determine this was the correct decision to make. And I think people got to have something to care about before they make a change like this. I had just uh, enlisted in, in the Army, finished basic training, AIT. I had re-enrolled in school, uh, and I didn't want to mess that up. I had just met the woman who's now the mother of my child. Yeah, we'll, we'll get married at some point, I'm sure. But uh, where I just met her, and I was like, this is a really nice person. I don't want to, like, expose her to nonsense and my fighting career was taken off and and so i give fighting a lot of credit for that because i wanted to be good at something and i i recognized that that was going to hurt me like the like there was no advantage to it i would i would lose time money recovery i mean i wouldn't be as effective so i just said you know no there's a lot of other reasons i don't want to paint it as that's the only reason there's a lot of other reasons I had to stop drinking, but you you take every every tool you can in the toolbox to help you fix the problem, and that was one of the tools I had was was my career. When you, but not to pry too deep, and you've probably shared it on podcasts, I assume before. But when you talk about that, wasn't the only reason. There were more reasons on why you need to, you know, why you became sober. What what were the other reasons then? Oh, you know, the, the typical ones, you act in a fool, man. Um, you start putting a strain on relationships. That was big for me because I don't, I didn't realize this yesterday. Like, I mean, I've always thought about it, but I didn't really, it hadn't, I hadn't thought about it in a while, I guess. Uh, my sister was over and we were just, we were just talking about stuff and, and we realized like, 
I don't have family in the sense that, like, I'm going to, uh, like, it's one of the reasons why, I mean, it's the, once again, other reasons, but one of the reasons why I have not had any motivation to get married, uh, official on paper, is like, who the hell would I invite? My friends, that's pretty much it. My mom and dad are dead, uh, and I don't have any really real connection with my family or my mom or dad's side. Like, I know who they are because, because I grew up and my mom would show, show us them, but, like, they're in various states of disarray or we just don't talk. So I don't, uh, I don't have a, a close relationship with my family, but I have in place of that, some incredible friends, people I met in high school, people I've known at this point longer than I haven't uh, known them. And so I, I, my alcohol was causing stress in those relationships. And I don't want to lose those because then I'm really alone. Um, I was broke, like broke and still managed to find money to drink because that's what addicts do. Uh, you know, they, they talk about that, that, that crackhead meme, uh, you know, you ever see a crackhead wake up and go, how am I going to get money to get high? They figure it out. That's real, man. And that, that, that applies to every addiction. Like, and, and really looking back, it's kind of amazing because I think about where I was at the worst. I was like, how did I afford to go drinking? Like, where was I getting alcohol from? Well, you, you figure these things out. Um, it didn't help that I had had social clout. Uh, it's like people would buy me drinks and shit. So that didn't help. But yeah, uh, the, the the strain on relationships, my finance, my finances, my health. I and all my, my health is a big one. Uh, I didn't. I never want. I don't want to go to jail. I'm also a very conscientious person. And I didn't want to ever risk, you know, the, the few times it happened, I said, that was awful. And I wanted to never have to worry about that again. Uh, the relationship I have with Anna now. Well, I remember, you know, when, when you get used to dealing with dealing with, with, with trash, you don't recognize when something's cool. You think it's cool. And, and because it works and it's clean and it's not damaged, you think there's something wrong with it because you've been used to dealing with it things that are wrong. But I kind of describes my dating life until, you know, when I met Anna, there's this nice, cool, wholesome human. And uh, I thought there was something wrong with her. I thought she didn't like me. She just wasn't crazy. That's what it was. And so, uh, I mean, she's, I mean, she's crazy. She's, you know, still for a girl, but she, she's a solid, sane person with values uh, and, and somebody I wanted to have in my life. And I said, look, you didn't, you didn't really messed up Almost, you know, I have, and in one way or the other, every relationship I had before her, I said, let's let's eliminate booze because you got you got lucky because I shouldn't have met her. Uh, we don't really cross paths in our in our life normally, and I said, well, let me let me try this out because I know what the problem is. But every other relationship, let me be calm and clear eyed. So if, if she decides that she don't want to be with me. It's because she don't like me, not because uh, I was drunk one night and said some crazy. You know what's great about this? I take a lot of pride uh, in this that you know she never seen me me drunk. Oh, there was like one one time, and I don't even think I was drunk. I I don't know, but like she didn't know because I was cool. But like in terms of going out drinking and having problems, none of that. Uh, I, I hear other couples argue about. 
and stuff like that. It's it's amazing. There's a whole timeline of problems I just never walked down and just can't even really relate to, to be honest. Uh, like, like I know where they come and I hear the story and then the minute someone goes, we was drinking or we was out, I go, ah, well, that, yeah, that might have been yeah. You eliminate that, you eliminate a whole lot of problems. When you say we wouldn't cross paths normally, what do you mean by by that? That that's uh, I'm curious by that. Okay, so so you got to understand where I'm running or the the, the kind of the way I'm moving at this point in my life. Uh, you know, I think I was working at T-Mobile and boxing and going to bars. That's my life. I go to work. Go to practice, go drink, lather and repeat. Uh, she had just moved back to Pittsburgh, and for a job she got at the university that I, interestingly enough, ended up graduating from when I went back to college. Uh, at the university, she was the international director of admissions, uh, or the assistant director for for international admissions. So all the students from around the world, and she got that job. Because her entire life, that is the theme, international, uh, what we'll call it international work projects life. Uh, she she did Peace Corps for two years and two and a half years in Togo and taught in France. And there's actually a Portuguese citizen was born over there and uh, didn't come here until she was like 12. And was homeschooled, so, so completely away from a lot of nonsense and just ended up with this really different life and we met because of the internet <laughs> you know uh back before it was cool you know okay cuba back before everybody was swiping left and right and shit now we don't want even swiping left and right you know we've been together so long you know I, I i never had a tender and it's not because i'm a better than tender i was a dog when i was on autumn apps it just came out after so that that's what I mean when I say that. Normally, you know, we don't two people like us, uh, for what our paths, there's no reason for us to ever meet. We don't we don't socialize in the same places, we don't know the same people, we don't do the same things. Now, interestingly enough, we have a lot of the same interests by default, and that's one of my favorite parts about being with her, is that is that I don't have to be someone I'm not, even remotely. Like I can sit and watch Masterpiece Theater and chill out. Uh but other than that, like we would not have ever met. But here we are. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I uh, it's just uh, I, I say this a lot. It's it's there's a lot of stories that are that use similar phrasing to what you just did. Uh, you know, like we pr- shouldn't have met, or we were you know different social circles, or whatever it was. Or, that day I did something that I shouldn't have done or I don't normally do and anyways and <laughs> and and you start to pick up on the trends and you're like, okay. So you want to hear something crazy speaking of that, I didn't even think sure. about that part. You know, something you don't normally do. So so when we went out, she don't normally I mean she's told me and now that I've like, you know, been with her so long, I you know, one hundred percent have no reason to think she was lying. She's like, you know, I don't I, I wouldn't normally come out after dark for for a date. And that's cool, but I wouldn't normally get to a date and not drink. I was like trying out sobriety. I was like, oh, let me try it, you know, on and off. And I'm sure because of that, I was on my best behavior 
and not not a fool. And so the so the day you're trying out sobriety is the day you meet, and I'll, I'll just insert a term: love your life. Yeah, yeah, because I was I used to try to do these like one week things, or whatever. When I when I was like, yeah. you know, which is what all addicts do, man. They try instead of just dropping. It's like I'll make a deal with myself: I won't drink for for two weeks, and I can drink on a weekend or something. I was doing something like that. And it, it just happened to work out great. I remember though, in case anybody ever asked, I know I don't I don't know the exact day that I can find it because I, I wasn't sure if she'd be boring or not. So I chose a bar that was playing the Patriots Ravens game. And and it was a Sunday night game. So I can always look that up in 2012. I just don't remember uh the day <laughs> myself, but I can always look at when that game was. I think that's I think that's a, a a pretty powerful story if you think about it, because if you give up something that's controlling your life, your best days could happen immediately. Like I mean, like I, I hear that and I'm just like, that's a cool story, right? Like um, how happenstance or how you fall into it, but you made a choice uh, whether yeah. or not you were gonna, you know, whether or not you were gonna fall through for the rest of time. Uh, who knows? But by making that choice. All of a sudden, something walks into your life that now that choice is, you know, um, I, I don't know. I, I think that's, I, I I just think that's like, if you're sitting there on the couch, listen yeah. to that, and you got a problem, it's like, you don't understand what you can do to your life if you just decide no more, no more of something that's really controlling, I mean. Absolutely. You know, it, it's, it's like... So, 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 you know, the, that principle I said, you know, chain is strong as its weakest link. And, uh, you can only go as far as your biggest weakness. Those that, those are an important concept. In, in other words, the, the, whatever your, your Achilles heel is, your, your greatest weakness, that's where all the stress will come in and it will break the rest of the structure. The other part of that, the other, the other useful model to think about here is, is that you can't you can't fill a bucket up if there's holes in it, right? So before you start trying to fill it up, you got to patch them holes up, and those holes, your 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 flaws, right? Whatever your your weakness is, because it won't matter how much you get in there, if you, even if you manage to fill it super quick, it'll fall out because there's still a hole. There's no foundation. It's another way to look at this too. You know, you build a house without a foundation. Ooh, good luck with that house. <laughs> you know, when, when something really happens, it's gonna be good. Be good when it's when it's good, but when it ain't, it's not gonna be that good. Yeah, well, the first the first uh, sign of trouble, you know, whether it's a little bit of rain, uh, wind, etc., you know, to fall along with your analogy, is is where you get exposed and once you're exposed i mean i don't know i come back to uh always you know um big jordan peterson fan and and like uh like how he pushes on you to to work on yourself before you you work on anything else you know and that can be as simple as cleaning your room right yeah you, yep. you get how low that can go uh through covid it up here in in canada like and probably down in the states. I mean, you'll know this better than I will. But the the arguments, the ideas that festered, went all the way down to um, the individual self, and then 
perpetuated out through the the family, which then blew up into the communities, which just, you know, on and on and on and went. So, you know, if you go back to you looking for your weaknesses, uh, that's an interesting thought because um, that's an honest co- an honest conversation you could have with yourself where you probably identify it right away. Like, yep. I know this is a problem. You know, for me <laughs> in drinking, and I've had my issues with it, um, we were watching, we had, uh, I have three, three kids and, uh, married to a wonderful woman and got all these lovely things. But I remember we were watching, this is us, you know, the popular television show. And Jack is sitting there after a night of going out drinking and his wife, they have triplets, right? And his wife's sitting there and he's sitting and he, I can't remember the entire story. I just remember them sitting out front of, uh, one of the kids' bedroom doors and she's just saying to him, you know, when you're with us, you're great, mm. but you got to be with us. And it almost brought tears to my eyes. Not that I was out every night. I wasn't. But when it comes to having kids and being in a marriage and everything else, you know, that extracurricular activity can take you further and further away instead of being where you should be. And little things like that, exposing your weaknesses, you could probably be sitting wherever you're at. Listen to this. Where I just pause it for a second and just think about it. And you'll probably know, like, it's. It's like, yeah, that's that's a weakness. Oh man, look, every look, I am one hundred percent convinced. Everyone knows where their problems are, <laughs> but but people are amazing at rationalization and justification. It, it's like nothing I've ever seen. It, you know the way we can put together an excuse or 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 a workaround to explain why we're the way we are, why we have this problem, why we aren't making changes. And these are all within our, this is all for things like within our grasp to do something about. Because I'll I'll tell you this, man, um, a lot of people live by the idea better the devil you know uh, than the devil you don't. They, They will stay comfortable uh, and in the same place, even if they know that place ain't that great, because the idea of leaving it is even scarier. Because when you move into the unknown, it's like it's like a video game. It's like those real-time strategy games where it's the fog of war. You don't know what's there until you move into it, then it shows up on the map. Uh, a lot of people's lives are like that, and they're afraid of what they can't see. They're afraid of taking a step into uncertainty, so they, they stay with this, this un. It's just terribly not useful, not productive step of our place of of familiarity, even if that familiarity is a bad habit. You know, like like going back to sobriety, one of the things that I was worried about big time was how I would socialize. What would my friends think? Because we all drink together, my close friends, the ones I was talking about that I've known longer than I haven't. But I I said, you know, I got to make this move because... Where I am now is not happy. And if they really leave me and stop hanging out with me, they weren't going to be my friends because uh, they were going to hold me back from becoming a better person. So when I got out of my first meeting in AA, I texted all my friends, my, my, five people. I texted them. I was like, you know, just letting you know, I, I went to AA, man. I think I got a problem. Uh, and I get it if you guys don't want to kick it anymore. But I got to do this for me. Because otherwise, I don't I don't know where my life's going to end up, and they were all cool with it. But it was a real fear fear that I had. 
But I had to step into that uncertainty. And I think a lot of people live being afraid to step into that uncertainty. The fe- Sorry, what was the fear you had? The fear you had was that people- My friends, were- I w- yeah, they w- I wouldn't be able to socialize. I wouldn't have a social life. My friends would abandon me. And that's a real fear. You talk to a lot of people who go to AA, a lot of them are worried about how they're going to, what, what are they going to do? That's the biggest the biggest question. What am I going to do for fun? But that's how integrated alcohol is into our society. People don't even know how to, they can't imagine a social life without it. And so they're afraid of leaving it. And even though that sounds silly to me now, that sounds silly to me now with somebody coming up on 10 years of sobriety. I know there's a great world out there. But if all you've known is what the culture's told you about drinking, the way drinking is portrayed in the media and then through, through the social circles uh, in in casual society, then, yeah, you're, you're going to think you're about to give up something big. It's funny, though, because um, in our society up here, you know, at 18, legal drinking age in Alberta, 19 in in Saskatchewan, right on the border of the two provinces, and it's certainly different parts of Canada have 18, different parts 19. Obviously, in the States, it's 21. You know, it's it's just it's like a a way of life. Good times roll with with even if it's just a social beverage, not getting crazy down the 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 consumption route. Like how much you have. If you just have a you know, I enjoy good scotch. Just having a scotch, right? Yeah. And saying that, what I've been finding lately is some of the best conversations I've had, Ed have centered around tea. And yep. <laughs> it's, it's funny how you just need something you can share with the person, like breaking bread, you know, to use uh, um, a biblical term, right? Just breaking bread with somebody, that shared experience of sharing something is all you need, you know? And, and most of us think, um, I hear you're, you know, like people are getting, oh, Ed's going to be no fun anymore. Ed won't be out. But at the same time, a true friend wants what's best for you. Probably knows that you need to slow down or probably looks forward to, you know, like different things. And the fact that you could just sit and have a coffee or tea or, or heck, just water. I mean, you know, people say you don't need anything. I'm like, I don't know. There's something cool about sharing something with somebody. Yeah. Um, because I drink coffee kind of the same way I used to drink alcohol. The difference is after you know four coffees, I'm not, I'm not a danger to myself. You're just that. climbing the walls. Yeah, I'm just climbing. <laughs> the walls. Uh, but yeah, that you know that's one of the things that happened with me is is all my conversations with all my friends. Uh, I meet people with coffee. We talk. We do like we we really get to know one another. But what you realize. Is that the socialization that a lot of people do under the influence, especially, is is more of this filler from being lonely. I always say that, that a lot of people are one happy hour away from one missed happy hour away from being lonely and realizing how lonely they are. So so it's like, okay, I, I need to be around someone because we're social creatures. We need to be around people. Alcohol provides this great reason to be there, but it also, at the same time, you know, there's all there's usually an event, right? Uh, like a lot of people watching the game, or you're not able to concentrate, pay attention, or and then your your mental capacity gets worse as the drink goes on. 
uh, as does your ability to read and interpret body language, which is uh, just just a, a fascinatingly awful side effect, right? But all of these things come together, but it's still better than being lonely. What happens when you stop drinking is that you you start, when you recognize you still need to be social, your interactions become so focused and so purposeful and so full of intent. Mm. Because the, it's no longer, because it feels like most people go, here's an, I need an excuse to drink, let me get with friends. That's, I feel like that's how it goes, as opposed to like how people are like I do. It goes, I miss my friend. Let me find a place to talk to them that has a coffee. So I'm not like, I have something to sip on and share. It's a completely different focus. Yeah, that's, that's really interesting. We're having... I was doing, I can't remember, I think it's power and force. Power and first force. Oh, uh, yeah. Like force versus power versus force. Power versus force. They talk about AA in there. And one of the things that, you know, I've never really put much of any thought into AA. You know, I just, I just, I just haven't, you know, I, uh, but in reading it, they were talking about uh, one of the original founders of it, um, going over and seeing Carl Jung, uh, and discussing how people get over uh, being an alcoholic. And it was a huge conundrum back in the 50s. I didn't, unbeknownst to me, you know, unless you read the, the dang thing, yeah. you would, you know, I just would assume AA had been around for a thousand years. <laughs> and one of the things they talked about was, was a group of people coming together and that support. They talked about a spiritual, you know, the, the spiritual experience somewhere in there as well. But the, the the group of people, a shared camaraderie, um, was like it was almost overnight. People could stop drinking. What drove you first to AA, and then is that your experience? Uh so what drove me to AA was I just was looking for a tool. I, I looked at it like this: it was it was a problem, and I wanted to give myself every every weapon at my disposal to beat it. And AA was a tool for me. It it, it really, it, it's just one of those things, extra accountability, someone to chat with, things like that, right? So that that's what drove me there. And plus, you know, what else did I know? You know, that's what people will say, you know, you think you're an alcoholic, go to AA. You know, whether that's, whether that's the best choice or not, it was. It's really the only choice most people know about, and I was no different. Uh, I didn't keep going. I only went to actually one meeting, and then I didn't go for like four years, uh, because because I didn't I didn't feel like it treats a certain. So there are lots of reasons why people become alcoholics. I believe this, right? Uh, and it deals with a certain type of person who becomes one. I, I really think that format works really well for that type of person. I was not exactly that kind. And it wasn't until I went back four years later, I was like, okay, we're all kind of the same alcoholic. But until you get to that level of abstraction, after experience, after talking to a lot of people, you don't realize. It. I mean, like I went, I remember thinking like, yo, man, this person is losing custody of their kids. Like, this is crazy to me. Like, I don't think this is... This is the level I'm at. 
So that that's how I felt. As far as people getting together and and um, you know working on a problem of a personal nature in, in general, I think there's a lot of value in concepts like accountability. And why AA doesn't directly make you accountable, like, like they don't put a tracking bracelet on you or some shit. But <laughs> thankfully, there are set there are a set of steps you have to do. There's a sponsor you have to find. I mean, like you you really have to you buy into a process because your process ain't working. You know, so I I think that part can work well for some people. There's also is is most things. I mean, there's a danger of getting addicted to that too. But I don't I don't think addiction in and of itself is bad. It's what you get addicted to. You know, you tell me you're addicted to playing playing chess. I'm not going to look at you like you shoot heroin every day. Like that's that's silly. Everything is there are varying degrees. We we find something to fixate on. Um, and and the idea is to not fixate on things where the cost exceeds the value that you receive. And you're talking about healthy addictions. Um, yeah, healthy, because, unhealthy. I mean, uh, well, no, no, it's, no. It's oh, still... <laughs> oh, 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 sorry, uh, uh, yes, both. But, but I'm good to you're right. Yeah. To me, I'm uh, I'm I'm a little addicted to podcasting. You know, when I first started in 2019, it was once a week. Then through COVID, it was twice a week, then three times a week. Now, for the first two weeks of uh, January of 2023, it's been five times a week. I just, I enjoy uh, my brain's interaction with different people and, and exploring ideas and whatever else. And saying that, even that addiction, if if uh, I can use that term, um, to what I do, if it starts to take over your entire life, then it can, in fact, become unhealthy. No different than your chest, uh, you know, uh, to, but to yep. rate out and ply that chest is a unhealthy addiction is like, well, no, unless you cannot literally move around during the day without doing chess. Like, yeah. that's where it can take over one's life. It's a bit of balance, to be honest. It's it's a yeah. You in other words, like if I have to I wrote a piece a while ago and I was like, well, I don't know. I have a drinking problem. Well, here's a great way to tell, and this is for anything. Does the thing you think you are addicted to or have a problem with, does that interfere with other uh, productive relationships or activities in your life? In other words, does the opportunity cost of it exceed the, the real value that you get? And And if you answer that question honestly, you'll figure out, you know, what is just something fun and what is something uh, not so fun? What is something that, that I need to, like, change or not do? Maybe go see some, you know, see somebody about it or things like that. You um, uh, you had wrote on your website, um, a limitation is only as powerful as the energy you give it or give to it, I should say. And your dreams fall the same law uh i think that's a really good thought i thought maybe we could uh talk about that for a moment or two and and maybe you could just expand on it i i think too many people i'll give you case in point where i'm sitting at today uh if you're uh tuning into the podcast 
I have a show coming up this Sunday, Sunday, January 22nd here in Lloydminster. Um, we had 15 days until I had to give the venue a number of how many people are going to be there. Max, you could have is 240. Uh, and certainly I want to sell out just like anyone else. I'm a competitive guy. You know, I like, I want a full house. I want the vibe, everything else. But I mean, 15 days is a little bit silly um, to think that you can do that on a Sunday in January. I mean, where I'm sitting, Ed, uh, today is not bad. I think it's like minus eight or something, but you know, like, yeah, I is mean, that like Fahrenheit or Celsius? Celsius. So like, uh, you're like probably, 16. yeah, something like that. That's right. Somewhere in that range. So like, it, it's cold, but it's not that bad. But in saying that it's still middle of January and everything else. And I had to have a conversation with myself where I literally went, okay, you can either tuck tail and run from this, this challenge or we can get to work and uh, you can start believing that you're going to, you're going to get close, you know? So I set the numbers 175, you know, and as we sit here today, folks, I haven't looked at the numbers this morning, but it was uh 216, I think is what we're up to, you know, closing in wow, on a solo. No kidding. But that's, but that, that your line, I highlighted, I'm like, that's that right there is what I did. I literally went, you have to put energy into this. You have to follow Nobody's going to do the work for you. You know, and so this in saying that, if you want tickets to the show still, I'm like, you know, <laughs> what is that? 24 away from a sellout. It's like, come on now, folks, let's let's uh, let's push the ball down the court a bit more. But I thought, you know, like to me, that that's where it spoke to me immediately where I'm sitting today. I'm like, if you take the idea of uh, putting energy into your limitations, you can get you can get literally handcuffed by those suckers and never go anywhere. Yep. You can start convince. Look, you. You can convince yourself of anything, and, and whether it's true or not, it's irrelevant. You've convinced yourself it's true, and you'll behave as such. Now, sometimes this will get you into trouble, especially if it is objectively not true. Like, if you cannot swim, and you go in the deep end of the pool, and you try to tell yourself you can swim, and you've done nothing to make that reality seem even remotely likely, it's going to be a problem, right? So, so I, I want to preface that, but... When we talk about the effort, much better, much more powerful, keeping with that same example, is if you say I can swim, or uh, but you say that in the reference or, or in, in in reference to lessons you're taking, it makes you better. You keep sticking with it. You've seen everyone else do it. You're like, why can't I? So you just keep pushing, keep trying to swim. That's how it works. All right. So if we do it, we 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 go the other way with that. We we talk about everything that we we want to do. It's like it's like like I, I thought about with math. I remember I had a fixed mindset. I didn't think I, I told people I wasn't good at math. I'm never going to do anything with math. I'm not going to touch it. And so for a while, I really believed that. And then I, and, you know, really almost by by not a happenstance. I, I'm a, I'm a calculated person. When I was looking at what I'm going to go back to school for to make college worth it, everything came up did it with math. I said, all right, well, it looks like I'm doing math. So, uh, but but I said, I, I'm going to be able to learn this because I had an experience from boxing that, that let me see whatever I put my mind to and decide I can do, I can do. Because I wanted to fight well, and I, I fought well. I learned how to fight. So, so I stopped buying into the idea that I wouldn't be able to. And started going, all right. This is what's got to be done to get this thing done. Let's go. Let's do it. Same with, same, and, and that works for everything. You 
it's like we talk about with physical training. Yeah, you have genetic limits, but you're almost certainly not even close to them. And you never will get close to them unless you unless you push and you you see what what is really possible. What can you do? How isn't it you... isn't it crazy what you really can do when you push? Yeah, and and man, I that, you want to talk about a lesson? I wish I wish everyone got this lesson, like so much, man, because it it would really. <sighs> we live in a society where people are scared to try because they're scared to fail. And, and and that's kind of simple. So I want to make I want to be really precise here. I don't think they're scared to fail so much as they're scared of being embarrassed, of investing time into something and not seeing an immediate payoff. That that's instant gratification culture. Uh, of discovering that they actually might not be any good at something. You know, that that's the worst, man. People can convince themselves of all kinds of shit if they never have to test it against reality. You can be you, you can think you're the best writer in the world. Well, let's go, let's go. Let's let's see. Can you grow an audience with your writing? Oh, that's marketing. Well, maybe, but good. Uh, I've been in this long enough to know that rarely, if ever, and if it does, it is the exception that demonstrates the rule that good writing won't. You know, the, the, the really bad writing doesn't succeed on the market. So if you're a good writer, let, let's go see it. Let's put, we'll put it if out it was, if, it, if it was only about marketing, that was all it was, the viewers, the viewership for the CNNs of the world would be higher. Oh, the viewer, man. The viewership, see, right. The viewership for when, and, and I don't even know what the numbers were for Obama and uh, Bruce Springsteen's show, but I, I mean, like, it just doesn't. Maybe that speaks to somebody. It didn't do anything for me, and maybe people went and just absolutely gorged that show. Or you know, uh, Meghan Markle has her show, and I know she, you know the royal family has everything. But it's like, who has the biggest following in podcasting? Joe Rogan. Yep. And I mean, certainly now he has marketing online and everything, but he like everybody. He should... built that thing from the ground up. That's on, right on content. On content. You know? And people like me and you or me and whoever sharing it. The the first podcast I ever listened to, and I don't know how many times I hear this story, very similar to me, was you should listen to this Joe Rogan podcast. I'm like, well, first, I'm like, what the hell is a podcast, right? Like, can, we, can we break that down? <laughs> then you get showed it. And, I'm, and the next question was always Joe Rogan, the, the fear factor guy. And then you go listen to it. And you're like, holy shit, this is something. That is in itself. You, that's its own advertising. The content that he had, you just pass that around and it spreads everywhere. Um, whereas, you know, if it was just marketing, these places would have way better followings than Joe does. And look at what Joe's built. Like, I mean, Joe, they, dear God. Right. It's really, man. But but that's, that's a, I mean, I, goddamn, I'm, I'm a millennial, man. And, uh, <laughs> And I say that because, you know, whatever generation you're in for for the first third for the start of your life, you're the youngest, hippest, newest generation until one comes behind you. So these Gen Zers, man, they they, they start saying this thing called coke. And now I find myself saying it because because it, it kind of like 
sums it up, right? That is a code. When people talk about it, you know, they go, oh, it's the marketing. Oh, it's, it's, you know, if I had a guy tell me, man, you only have so many followers because you're black. And I'm like, that's, that's the first I've ever, like, get uh, <laughs> that, that being black is an advantage in, in, in the writing space. But, but, you know, that's what, what it is. People come up with any reason but their level of effort. And take and their level of work and their beliefs and the things they do, the actions, the things they control. Because because when you do that, that's that we like we were talking about earlier. That forces them to take that that hard look. Well, certain certainly um, certain things in life can be accelerated because of well, color of oh, skin, absolute gender, absolutely. all these different things. But at the end of the day, wherever you sit. You put in a fuck ton of energy, you go after it, you get you get better at your craft, you continually improve, good things will follow. It doesn't matter what uh, what any of that other stuff is because people naturally look for the best. They look for somebody who is intelligible, that can articulate thoughts, and I'm talking about podcasting, I'm talking about writing, right? Somebody, yeah. somebody who writes a bestseller. I mean, how many times... Uh, has like Disney or Marvel or whatever these giant giant things spent hundreds of millions of dollars on a movie to have it flop because right, it just like... isn't that good. And how many times has something come along that they spent thirty thousand dollars on? I don't know why the Blair Witch Project comes to mind, other than it, I don't. It's even a th- great example. It's a great. You know, example. that's a great example that I just found out my big fat Greek wedding. How much was, was it? Th- th- I don't think they spent a million on it. We'll see in another one's Kevin Costner, Bull Durham. That one was a dirt cheap film, right? Where he's the catcher for the Durham. Oh boy, that's that's terrible, me folks. Anyways, baseball movie, and that was dirt cheap, and it it became a cult classic, right? Like, there's all these things you don't. Everybody thinks you need the million hundred million dollars. You don't because what all of us consumers want, or all of us people searching it out, is we want good, and yeah. good at times. Will be the you know the the end game of Marvel. I mean that having all those superheroes in the what a great movie, yeah, coming together is is what it is. But for you know, for every one of those, there's a whole bunch that you know started out and their original idea and the simple idea and putting it out there goes and wins an Academy Award or you get the point. Yeah, if it. There, there's just you know at the end of the day you know the, a meritocracy scares people, you know. <laughs> Every and that, that, that's why I think there's this, uh, and I don't know what it's like in Canada, but like have a have a different setup, uh, for for the, how your government works with your citizens, but here in the United States there's this there's a big push for. Uh, a newer generation that believes in communism and socialism. And yeah, some of those ideas are really like, I, I think necessary to have a healthy society. In fact, I'll be the first, and I'm as pro-capitalist as, as a self-employed person can be, uh, but I'll be the first to tell you, you know, like, like, you know, capitalism, you put that shit in everything, you get some bad examples. Proof of that is our healthcare and our education system. What with that that said, 
making sure everyone is guaranteed the same outcome, ah, that's just as bad, but for a different reason. Uh, and we've and and the and you know the best part is we've got a lot of like a lot of natural experiments in history that have documented what happens when you do this. And of course, the response is, "Well, that's not real uh, socialism. That's not real communism." Like, nah, that's about as real as it gets. The problem is that the system doesn't. Uh, when you ignore the human, right? The, the the theory of the system, sure, but the human that executes it, I always say. Uh, humans have an incredible ability to corrupt anything we touch, like anything. <laughs> the uh, the difference with capitalism versus versus you know we'll say socialism or communism is that when humans corrupt capitalism, uh, it, it's more of a build a better mousetrap deal, and you you can only go so far, especially when you get laws in place, which is you know the the United States is that's a, a whole different conversation about, about why the United States is, is an, an incredibly unique place in the history of the world, but a, a legal system that goes, oh, monopolies go away, that's kind of a big deal, <laughs> because otherwise some smart people, kind of like how they're doing now, you know, what they figure out to do with Amazon is, is going to be a different, uh, is a different story entirely, but, but it is unprecedented in application and possibly in theory so they got to figure out something but you know i i i think i'm a i'm a big fan of knowing that my my rewards and my effort will be met with some type of reward and if it's not the reward i want the ability to change and go pursue something else that will give me a, a greater reward or to tweak my approach and learn from it so i can extract more more outputs from my inputs you know, not to completely switch switch subjects, but I, I kind of wanted to uh, I wanted to get your feel on you know um, I mentioned off the hop that uh, I now follow you back on Twitter and I suggest other people do. Um, certainly, you've built quite a following there. You got over two hundred thousand people. Uh, I don't even know personally. I don't know what to do with that number. It's no different than if it was. I have no reason, and you know I don't even know what they're doing half the time while they're there. You know, I'm actually, I'm actually going through right now. It, it is a year long project, and and if I do it right, you you won't even notice unless you go like look at some type of stat tracker. I'm going through removing everyone who has not sent out a tweet or liked my post in five years. Hmm. And it's because man, I, I unfortunately I, I always tell I always tell people you, know, you got to be careful how you build your following, <laughs> and and you know a lot of that is just watching. But I guess you know I'm looking. There were a lot of people who followed me from two camps that just like fell off. Man, a lot of people who ended up following me when Trump got elected because, uh, and, and then you know they they disappeared off the platform. And then a lot of people who followed me from like the masculinity advice, they wanted to like start their own like red pill masculine thing. And like, oh, here's you gotta follow. Well, what you what you quickly learn is that one, I'm I'm I may say a thing that you agree with, but I'm gonna probably say something you disagree with down the line. Like, you know, a lot of these motherfuckers don't like when I, I give my opinion on on some of the police shootings that happen because I just look and I go objectively. I'm like, yeah, you know. There's a problem when when unarmed guys that are getting gunned down. That's that's not cool. Black or white. I don't I don't even focus on that. I just focus on the fact that 
our police are killing people. Um, and they think that makes me some type of crazy liberal. And I'm like, no, nah, I'm just I'm just looking at the situation. OK, on the flip side, you know, uh, I'll, I'll never I will I will absolutely never, ever endorse just giving people shit. I'm not like a, a UBI dude. Uh, or anything like that. I think that ignores human nature. Uh, and, and so that makes me some type of, of crazy conservative. You know, did I actually believe in the concept of pull yourself up by your bootstraps? Because I lived it. And, and so you, you can't win. It just depends on who follows you, you know, but, but that that's uh, that, that's neither here nor there, man. You, you were going so with what you were saying. No, it's, it's an interesting... Um... Because, uh, you know, I go back to when I first brought it up. You know, I, I try and I, I at a time I was trying to get it so that my my uh, like my timeline was actually people that I followed and things I wanted to see. And I found when I followed and I, I'm actually going to pull it up here. I, I actually haven't. I don't know how many people I follow anymore. I follow 333 right now. That That is where it's at. Because awesome. <laughs> I, I keep I keep going back through it, and I've had to uh, apologize to people because like sometimes I eliminate my friends, not because uh, I don't want to follow them. I'm like I want my timeline to be things that help me, and that's what I use Twitter for. I use it for like news, current events, and interesting people. It's how I find a ton of guests on the podcast, and when I find those people, I follow, I reach out, and you know y- you carry on, and then people on Twitter do the same thing, and yet I I try to like curate that i try and go back through and just like you know what i don't agree with this guy or i haven't seen him in a while or or he's just blown my timeline up with a bunch of stuff that i don't care about and slowly (laughs) you know and then it kind of gives me a sense of where i'm at the thing that i've found interesting now that elon's taken over is i'm starting to see the people i actually follow which is interesting i don't know i was curious your thoughts on elon taking over twitter and if you've enjoyed the experience thus far or not Okay, my thoughts on Elon taking over Twitter. I think that Elon is a brilliant man when it comes to things involving not humans. <laughs> I, I, I I think you ever see what is that movie? Uh Contact. And one oh, yeah. of the things and, and one of the things is like they 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 bring in of all people, uh, um, what is McConaughey a priest in that movie or something like that? Because they they want a different different perspectives. I would never I, if you were like, who should we have to represent the the engineers of humanity? Uh, Elon Musk, or our scientists, or our computer scientists. That's Musk. Our our negotiators, though, no. Our communicators, absolutely not. Uh, our just just anyone that has to deal with humans. I'm going somewhere with this. This is what what Elon has done with Twitter, in my opinion. So so first, the really good because he's ruthless and efficient, just like a like like a good scientist should be. He realistically. If he had did nothing else, just the changes he made on the back end probably would have put the company in the black. Right? Because from what it sounds like, they had a lot of redundancy. And because of how many people were working there, a lot of stuff was going down that even like Jack Dorsey didn't know about when he was there. So so I think that was a really smart play that 
where he really dropped the ball and and I'm not sure if he'll recover from this is his thinking behind giving everybody the verified tag. I don't care about the verified tag, mind. I earned mine the hard way, but that's that's a different story. Uh because there was no requisite for having other than you subscribe to Twitter Blue, you remove well, well you do a few things. One thing you do is people got to feel a certain way about what they do. And it is very simple. You, you don't buy, you get a badge, right? That's what it is because you're 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 important. But if, if everyone can just go get one, all right, that's not that big of a deal, though. I think it, I don't I don't think it was a the best move, uh, but it's not that big of a deal. The bigger deal is what people did with it when they got it. And now, <laughs> now you got to convince the advertisers that they're going to be safe from from any type of uh, brand embarrassment because because that tag was the only thing that made a difference. You know, there, there, there was a I mean, yeah, if you like sat and read the handle, but most people don't do that. They just look at a profile pic, they see the blue tag, and go boom. Well, now he's made it completely worthless for the average person sure they get to feel like great but where the life money of the company comes from because twitter doesn't sell anything from advertisers he that and, and in my opinion that was a fairly easy uh if you understand how people think i think that was a fairly easy problem to avoid at the very least maybe you don't know that will happen but but with with a bunch of fucking computer nerds all in a room who don't interact with people, whoever's advising them, I'm sure no one thought to say this is a bad idea because you remove the ability for something to look distinct. Maybe they don't know how it turns out. What like advertisers going? We're out here because they're impersonating us and sending these awful messages. You saw the thing with the stock. Uh, I think it was Lockheed Martin. And someone said they were like going to stop making weapons, and 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 it, and it looked like it came from Lockheed Martin. And then Nintendo, this was a funny one. Uh, it looked like it came from Nintendo underscore USA, which is not their Twitter handle, but it had the official badge, and it had the Mario giving a finger. So uh, these little things, very. I I think that here's the thing about Twitter. Here's the way Elon would look at it, in my opinion. Elon would look at this as a tool, and the the humans don't matter. It's the efficiency of the tool that leads him to do the house cleaning, but it also leads him to that mistake, and that mistake is big because that mistake ultimately may cost maybe not him Twitter. Well, well at best, it cost him Twitter. At worst, you know, who knows what happens to Twitter when you can't pay them bills, Ugh, right? <laughs> you know, uh, that's that's a big deal. So that that's my thought about Elon Musk. I, I think he should, he, I, you know, him buying it now. Now, how do I feel about him buying it in general? Um, I don't, I don't think he should be in charge of it, but I, I do like that that there is balance in the force, so to speak. Because 
a lot of things on the internet that have that have such mass reach, mass appeal, popularity, they lean in a direction. And that direction, when, when enough people think a certain way, it's not that they they consciously collude to devoice certain opinions. Uh, it just happens. In fact, there's a great example someone told me about who worked at AI. Uh, yeah, so, so where I'm going with this is is, is how Elon is Elon how Elon is allowing like as more conservative voices to be heard and seen. Okay, so so he may have something to do with that in the sense of like going in and manually reprogramming things. But check this out. Uh, a buddy of mine who did some AI work was was telling me about this experiment they ran where they tried to use machine learning to decide the outcome of court cases. And you know what happened? The algorithm got racist because it, it just looked at inputs and made a decision. All <laughs> right. Uh, so it 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 went okay. Black dude did it. Black dude did it. Black dude did it. Now it starts to to stack a probability uh, algorithm to give a little more weight to it if if a black person committed the crime. And that's all the algo's doing, which is incredibly frightening to think about. Just because all they do is just like think about our minds, and then they they try and get involved with that. So hey, maybe he's getting involved with that uh, and, and changing that stuff. But but since he's been around, people have have seen it, said they haven't really noticed a difference. Like there was the the initial uptick and boost. Everyone was like, "Oh, my account's back! I'm getting followers again. I'm not shadow banned." But now everyone's complaining about the same shit, and and I think people don't understand. <laughs> That the algorithm learns, and and on top of that, people are 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 not as good at writing, or their takes aren't as hot as they think. Like if if, if you say the same shit over and over again, eventually people just kind of go, "Well, I'm, I'm tired of it." And and if it, like we were saying just now about why you you unfollow certain people, and I think the same thing happens with engagement. I see people complain about this on Instagram, but they they talk about the same divisive topic over and over and over again. Eventually people just go, this is too, this is, they, they get sick of it. Well, I agree with 85% of what you just said. I agree with a lot of what you just said. I will say that um, <clears throat> when it came to certain subjects, if you talked a certain way, you were gone. Yes. And under Elon, that has all come back. All those accounts come back. The shadow banning has been, I think, removed. Uh, okay, yeah. Now that that's true. That, the, a lot of stuff the, about COVID, man. Like, which I am not. Like that. That's insidious. You know, Canada's got a different history to the United States, and by the way, I know like inspired because the you know U.S. inspires everything. But but one of the things you know the forefathers did they they were they were they were brilliant this way. They they really tried to think through and create a system that would be able to adapt. And keep the people safe. I was just watching this this series on, on Masterpiece Theater uh, called Hotel Portofino that takes place uh, in Italy right before World War II. And, and there's the scene where the police show up and break up a meeting uh, where everyone's talking about like how to overthrow Mussolini before he takes too much power. And they beat the shit out of everybody. And, and I'm just like, 
Well, that would never. My first thought was that would never happen here because of freedom of assembly. Like it's one of those things. So, so they they thought through a lot. One thing they couldn't have possibly imagine uh, one you know the level of weaponry firepower we have, which is where I uh, get in arguments with two A people who are who are more hardcore than me. But also, man, the the reach of the internet. Yeah, he well, nobody they, they could plan for that. They couldn't have possibly imagined the biggest show in town was wouldn't be the government. Because the, the First Amendment protects you from the government. It says nothing about private. Who would imagine that the biggest communication channel would be a private entity that can reach the whole planet? So so I I, I don't know what the solution is other than people like Elon Musk showing up and and wrestling control back and, and creating a balance of the conversation. But yeah, no, I, I I forgot about that part. A lot of those accounts did come back. Well, and- uh, to me, it's you. You said it. Balance of the conversation. I feel like, and and somewhere, someone is saying that is not true, or uh, most people aren't rational. I think most people, if you give them three people talking, and you get to listen to all three people talking, and one guy is like extreme freaking left, and one guy is extreme freaking right, and somebody's just in the middle of like pretty balanced. Most people are like gravitate to the balance. Yes. And and what uh, and what Twitter did specifically is they took this side completely out of the equation. Heck, they started to take the middle out of the equation and they just focused on this is what we're going to talk about. I'm not saying extreme left. I'm just saying uh they just focused on one thing. This is what it yeah. is. And anytime you have that, well, um, in my books, Elon has. De- I tell you what, it's an interesting to pl- interesting place to go every single day right now, and I can't say that about <laughs> all social media, right? You yeah, tune in, no, you're, you're right. like, what is going on today? You know, like uh, it's just like every day Elon's got something new going on in there. Whether it's Twitter files, whether you know what is it today here on? Um, I think it's SpaceX. Uh, you know, rocket, uh, rocket, launching rockets. You know, and like it's just it's something to uh really force your brain to go like well what is going on you know where we haven't that's what i feel like we've been that's the one thing that i think elon has got absolutely right right now is he's found a combo that's right and that's what bring people in and that's what he's getting yelled at for is free speech and and people are getting to say well yeah and and, then that that's that is an absolute you know that that should give you a um, just 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 a window into how these people think, and and when I say these people, I mean anyone who's ex- an extremist. Because I, I I gave myself a thought exercise one day that it started just as a as a retort to someone's argument, but I hadn't really thought it out, and and I I was I just noticed I said you know if you can't if you can't even acknowledge that the other side could be extreme, you're an extremist yourself. And this girl was like, well, I can't imagine what left-wing extremism looks like. And I was like, okay, you're smart. So I'm going to, I'm going to assume you mean in the modern context, not like, you know, who immediately comes to mind. It was not like Mussolini was like, sir, right. Nazis were considered left. A lot of people don't know that. Uh, but bro, it, the more I thought about it, I realized it's not a particular position that makes you extreme. It is how you deal with the opposing opinion that makes you extreme. Mm. It is, you know, do you do you entertain, debate? Do you just not listen? All fine ways, in my opinion, 
But when you start going out of your way to silence them, now we're talking extreme. A silence, any type of libel or slander that is ad hominem against the people who say these things, so they their their credibility uh, is diminished just as a person delivering delivering an opinion. Uh, that that's what's occurred, and so. Like you said, when when you start going after people in the middle, because to, to get in the middle, right, if such a place exists, what tends to happen is you 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 have a nuanced approach to things. You you see both sides, and you're able to articulate your your thoughts on it. That's probably how you arrive in the middle. But if you notice when people attack a such a stance, they focus on one point, and the point <laughs> they don't. They don't um they they can't give any credit to the other argument. Like like if you can't say someone said this to me, it was like I always try to figure out where the exception is for you. And if I can't find any place where there's an exception, then, then by definition you're an extremist. It's like if we were talking about abortion and you go abortions are completely wrong, whether you think that or not, not the point. But but somebody may feel attacked in this the, the following few moments. Uh, but if I go, well, well, what if the mother's life is in danger? Never. You just should do it. Uh, okay. Uh, what if it's the product of, of incest rape? Oh, uh, just give them up. Uh, so and the, the more I go, if, if I can't find a place where you're, you're ever like this, because very few things are always a bad idea. All right. Very few things. And if I can't get you to at least find one place where you th- where there might be an exception, I know you're not thinking about it reasonably. I know you're you're reacting, and that is almost certainly uh, an indicator of being an extremist. Hmm. Well, you've given me things to ponder. I'm watching now. I'm watching the clock, and I'm I hate doing that. You know, I hate. <laughs> yeah, it watching sucks, the clock. man. Right when it gets it gets deep and good. Yeah, I'm watching I, the clock too, and, and I hear a baby crying. <laughs> Life's good, man. And, and this, man. We didn't even talk about it, but, but you know, this has been been a really fun time, man. Having a, having this is my first kid, and and it is just it's a lot of learning. Parent, parenthood, <laughs> parenthood is is parenthood is the best. It doesn't mean there aren't days where you're like, what the hell am I doing? Um, I got three, six, five, three. Let me tell you, we built a bunk bed last night, the wife and I, and that tested everyone that tested the marriage that tested the kids that tested (laughs) everyone. And yet you get to come in here and sit. And, uh, I tell you what fatherhood, um, well, we could have an hour conversation on that, Ed, and I'd certainly love to do that another time when I have you for some time. Cause that's a, that's a deep conversation. That's something that, uh, um, really forces you to take a look at your life and, and see what you want oh, to man, impose absolutely. on your kids, not impose things you want to try and instill on your kids and things you want to try and foster in the future for your kids. Um, I'm that's exciting. How, how old? Maybe two months and, uh, Oh, so fresh, fresh, so brand new. Yeah. Brand new, brand like, new. You know, can't fall asleep by himself. Brand new. <laughs> Well, congratulations, man. That's that's exciting. Um, uh, those are happy days, and enjoy it while they can't talk back to you. They'll they'll uh, they'll. That's uh, what I, <laughs> That's what everyone tells me. 
You know, there's different stages. There's there's people that are further along and have teenagers saying, enjoy the stage I'm at. And I'm going to tell you to enjoy this. It, it never ends. Someday we'll all be grandparents and we'll tell our kids to enjoy those days. You know, it, it never ends that way. Um, Here's your final question uh, before I let you out of here. Uh, it's all brought right. to you by Crude Master Transport. Uh, Show it to Heath and Tracy McDonald. It's Heath's words. He said, if you're going to stand behind a cause, stand behind it. Absolutely. What's one thing Ed stands behind? Oh man, one thing I stand behind: don't abuse power. Oh, I'm I'm such a big big stickler on that. I, I've got an innate sense of responsibility and awareness. Uh, you know, don't don't take advantage of people not in the game, and which is a corollary of don't abuse power. When I say not in the game, you know, if you know what snitching is, yeah, certainly. You're you're, you're but you're only snitching. If you did crime with the person, if, if you just, you know, took all the cops and you wasn't in it, you just a concerned citizen. You, you're you're a civilian, as they say. Right. And so that's the kind of thing, you know, if we're in a game together, if we're doing something, you know, uh, it's free game. You knew what you was getting into. If I, if I you know, double cross or do something crazy like that. But but we can't but we can't hurt people not in the game kind of keep the innocence of of life and from that uh you don't abuse power because abusing if, if there's one thing i've seen destroy every organization relationship or person's life about is is person uh, someone abusing their position um and and in doing so, not enriching the other. So it's not even like you know that everybody's getting hooked up. That I stand one hundred percent behind. That that that's yeah. Well, I really appreciate you coming on, giving me some time this morning, being patient. I was saying uh, I, uh, to to the listeners, I had uh, Premier Daniel Smith on right before him, and it was it was tight, and I was five minutes late. Ed was gracious with his time and allowing me to do that. So appreciate you coming on and, and doing this today. And uh, as I, I tell everyone, because I, I truthfully have no idea, somewhere down the road our paths cross again. Maybe that's soon. Maybe that's you know a year down the uh, the line. Who knows? Either way, I look forward to it, and I appreciate you you hopping on this morning and you know and indulging me in a, in a conversation. Hey man, not a problem. Thank you for having me. It, you know, it means a lot. Like I said, whenever someone wants to talk, hear me talk. I'm game. <laughs>